Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 708 with our review of Elvis. I'm Chris Mercedes. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, we are back. We're talking about Baz Luhrmann's new film, Elvis. It, this is this is a new biopic. Stephen, we've got to do what we always do. Talk about... Uh, what is our connection to Elvis? What is our knowledge of the history of Elvis's life? Um, who is the man, the myth, the legend to you? And uh, what were you expecting going into this film? Yeah, I cannot say I have a very strong history with Elvis. Like, mentally, I knew he was a big deal, obviously. He's, he's an iconic person. I'm sure I've seen, like, cartoon characters imitate him before. <laughs> like, he yeah. was someone that I grew up knowing he is a big deal mostly for you ain't nothing but a hound dog and jailhouse rock and you know the kind of uh iconic sort of i i don't know like the the like the hip swaying fun songs and in my head elvis is very much like rockabilly and of course culturally he's a guy who famously took music that black artists were already doing he got extremely popular for it and he's kind of seen as like the watered down version of a lot of those genres so i i have never felt personal affinity for him like i kind of feel like his music doesn't really exist today except for kind of like asterisk that there was a time in the 50s when this was like really big and kind of problematic (laughs) um (laughs) so i don't know like i don't think i've seen any elvis movies for instance even though i know he was in a bunch of them at the time um i yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't really have a lot of a connection to him. So I was going into this movie not feeling anything except how are they going to make Elvis interesting? Because in my head, he is like a Milli Vanilli. Like, he's a figurehead who doesn't have talent on his own. That's kind of how <laughs> I grew up thinking of him. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I I have zero connection to Elvis. Um, I Most of what I know of Elvis is, yeah, like a few songs that I've just absorbed through the ether um there's that i know of elvis impersonators um Mm -hmm. i will be i'll be super honest and i probably shouldn't even state this i didn't even get why so many elvis impersonators are in vegas Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like that's how disconnected from any any knowledge of elvis i actually was just because i never cared um yeah i Throughout the ether, I, I also uh, seem to recall that he supposedly died on the toilet. Um, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. true or one of those urban legend things. Um, I feel like there's also something about like peanut butter banana sandwiches, maybe. Um, yeah, but uh, I feel like you a know, donut is involved too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of that is circulating for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like basically both the toilet and the uh, the sandwich thing. Um, aren't covered in this movie so who knows the truth i feel like also elvis like wasn't there like a elvis isn't dead thing that people were always saying for like many many years like he's still alive yeah. somewhere and i don't know um i i had i had zero interest in um seeing this elvis film and one 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 funny story at least funny to me is i remember when the trailer for this first dropped um dave threw something in in like a, a dm to us both on slack during work um and was like yo did you see the elvis this tom hanks movie trailer and i I was like whoa brave choice to make tom hanks elvis (laughs) because i hadn't watched the trailer yet and i was just trying to picture this um but uh but yeah i kind of went into this film 
like I, I was more interested in watching the new Baz Luhrmann film than I was interested in seeing an Elvis biopic because like I said I, I just I haven't I have no connection to him um and you know we'll, we'll get into it later on in the episode but like I had no idea how many albums he has released over the years um right. I was surprised when I had to Wikipedia it after the film but uh yeah so so I I walked in this pretty pretty fresh not knowing what to expect um other than you know flashiness is what I expected from what I was about to watch and you know, I might have got that. We're going to find out in just a little bit. <laughs> we will see. Yeah. So, so you want to get started, Stephen? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Let's take a listen to the trailer for Boz Luhrmann's Elvis and then come back and give everybody a review. Our country itself is sick. But it's lost its sense of direction. Even its common decency. You don't so much as wiggle the fingers. a lot of people saying a lot of things but in the end you gotta listen to yourself in that moment Elvis the man was sacrificed and Elvis the God was born I'm gonna show you what the real Elvis is like tonight you're looking for trouble you came to the right place you're looking for trouble he had no idea what he had done. You ain't nothing but a dog player. I wish to promote you, Mr. Preston. Tomorrow, all of America will be talking about my war. Who the hell is there? Elvis Presley. You ain't don't do the business, the business will do you. I'm gonna do what I want to do. Sing the music that I want. Don't play it, I Well, since my baby left me. No. They're gonna put me in jail. The way you sing is God-given. So there can't be nothing wrong with it. What is wrong for my money? If you don't listen to me. Do you fool the show? that your mama has sacrificed for you would be for nothing. Trust me. There's a lot of talk about the new Elvis. Those people ain't gonna change me none. I think if you dream it, you'll do it. Never met anyone like you. I hope not. We can go on together. Suspicions. Without me, there would be no Elvis Presley. Everyone's told me things are too dangerous to say. This ain't no nostalgia show. We're gonna do something different. 
All right. So that was the trailer for Boz Lerman's Elvis. Um, it is basically a biopic about uh, Elvis, and it sort of covers um, his initial sort of uh, rise with this uh, traveling circus um, to uh, the guy headlining in Vegas. So, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Elvis? Look, I'm not saying I should like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go into so many things that are wrong about Elvis, I'm sure. Uh, Tom Hanks is a friggin' disaster from beginning (laughs) to end. Uh, Framing the movie around his kernel is completely bonkers. Um, I'm going to say the script is accidentally problematic problematic like at best and pretty terrible at worst and we'll get into how it deals with some stuff uh the whole flashback within a flashback way that it's constructed is again like impossible to follow and makes no sense and it lets Boz Lerman just get in his own way over and over and over again but you can't hide Boz under a friggin' bushel dude (laughs) (laughs) the style of this movie is like so kinetic and colorful and bright and addictive Boz Lerman just like pelvic thrusts into my fucking brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, okay, this movie is great whenever anyone is singing. The way it handles yep. music performance is so good and smart. It basically, first of all, Austin Butler does an amazing Elvis impression, and I think he sings most of the time. But it also, it mashes up like the genres he stole from like blues and gospel and genres that would later be informed by them like hip hop and pop. And it puts it all together in just this like incredibly catchy, cool. It it does something really amazing whenever singing is involved. Um, And luckily this movie is like one half people performing (laughs) like, like like that is a lot of the movie. I think when Boz Lerman is letting the style hit, when he is doing slow-mos and letting people sing and the orchestra swells and just doing his thing and the camera is spinning and it turns into a record player script spinning, which turns into a montage, like, I love when Lerman is just doing his thing. The movie is dumb as fuck and offensive, <laughs> but <laughs> I had a surprisingly good time when I turned off my brain for this, like, eight-hour movie. <laughs> um, yeah. I was kind of here for it. I was very glad that I saw it in theaters. And again, we will get into all the ways this is not a good movie at all, but I had a lot of fun. Um, I liked Elvis way more than I think any Elvis album could possibly make me like Elvis. And that is because Baz Luhrmann is just like putting all of himself into this, like resuscitating this uh, (laughs) corpse of a story. All yeah, that matters I, I had is that he gets out on that stage right now. I don't know why I did the water boy. Water boy, what did you think of Boz Lerman's Elvis? Yeah, so let, let me ask you, Stephen. Um, should the point of a biopic be to come away from it knowing more about a person as opposed sure to less not. about a person? <laughs> Um, I, I went into this film knowing nothing about 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 the man, and I think that by the end of this film, I had so many more questions than I even cared to think of before I saw the film. The fact that this film centers around the viewpoint of Colonel whatever Colonel Hanks, mm-hmm. <laughs> Colonel Tom Parker, who is the manager um, that or the the promoter uh, of of one Elvis, and I, like. There's this whole mystery around his backstory 
that I just don't understand. And I don't understand it because either either nobody knows to this day or uh, everybody who was a part of some court proceedings that happened later on in, in, in the lives of these characters, um, you know, settled out of court and all that stuff sealed away and nobody could ever know what happened because there's this stupid, stupid, stupid mystery around who this guy is, where he came from, why he has these one motives and not other motives. And like the big giant reveal of this film is like his travel status. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which wh- when that happens, I could not believe it. I was like, are you kidding me? That is, that is the reveal you're building towards that you're just going to tell me that. And I don't know, he did something sometime and we don't know. <laughs> Like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why that character is the person who, like, yes, it does make sense to have that narrator in certain moments, right? You know, like the first time he performs and all the ladies go wild and Tom Hanks decides to, that he needs to promote him because he's his golden goose or whatever. Like, that only in those moments does that narration work because you have him saying the lines of like, man, the man Elvis died and, you know, the, the, the God Elvis was born right then. Like, like that yeah. all makes sense to have that sort of character be the narrator for those moments because you're watching somebody who's telling that story. But that could have also been, uh, you know, the character that would later become his wife being the narrator, right? Like, this is right. before I met him, but like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you could have some person. It could have been like the ghost of his mom <laughs> as the narrator, right? Like, there were so many things that could have been there to tell his story. It could have been, it could have been some weird Life of Pi thing where it's like a person interviewing. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like, there's so many ways you could have that same story being told that, you know, might be cliche, might be dumb. On in their own right, but having this character whose background is a mystery, like I, I've I've already likened it to, it would be like what if you watched the film Nightmare Alley, but instead of the film being about Bradley Cooper, it was about Willem Dafoe's character, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's not that's not interesting. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's interesting to hang out with Willem Dafoe a little bit, but he he doesn't have enough going on. For- for you to want to know why he was present the whole time. Then there are like these other huge bombs that are dropped in the story where like characters just go along with it. It would be kind of like if I was like, well, Stephen, uh, you know, you didn't like this other movie that I liked. So uh, here's a bill for, you know, like eight million dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it, like you would just go, nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, there's no, there's no like calling lawyers there's no there's no like we should fight this it's just like well guess my life's this and then i think the biggest crime is like he elvis made like 30 records or something like that and that's only counting like the full albums that aren't like re-releases and specials and whatever it is in when i watch this film what it communicates to me is this dude had one single that made him popular in the circus circuit then he signed RCA and made a, a record. <laughs> then he went to war and did a bunch of movies. Those were all flops. And then he started playing in Vegas. That yeah. does not communicate the life of what he did and what his career was. Like, this film is so weird. Totally just blankets over everything 
in the story and I'm, just, I'm waiting for the butt <laughs> no I, I mean like i mean i i, I will admit it's, it's pretty entertaining <laughs> but i don't even know if i would call it a butt though like like this is just like i i can't understand what this film is doing other than it entertaining the hell out of me anytime somebody is singing as you said like like the 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 way it, it intercuts like the music and and all these moments like you the, the one thing it does tell me about this man is that he loves performing and that's the only time you've really felt alive. And I think that visually and auditorily and whatever, this film is good at that. Everything else, I don't understand any character's motivation. I mean, except for Colonel Hanks. Uh, I understand his <laughs> motivation. Uh, Private the, Ryan. M- m- mostly, <laughs> mostly just because he, he uh, writes it on a napkin. <laughs> makes it real easy to understand what his motivation is um but it's just i i just i don't i don't know what this film's doing i kind of had fun with it um but like i just i don't i it didn't make me like put it this way like (laughs) there are other musical biopics that we've reviewed in this podcast where i did nothing but like play the soundtrack for like four days straight right i have not once thought to put on an elvis album or anything like that when i left this film i was kind of just done with it when it was done i had fun while i watched it visually interesting i i I spent more time on wikipedia and googling different things about his life after this film than i have spent listening to music and i think that i I don't know is that a crime i (laughs) i I hope you didn't do the math on uh, priscilla's age when they met in germany (laughs) Well, that I, I had had that spoiled for me by Jamie um, mm. before I saw it because she saw this a few days before I did. But it, I did laugh when they don't talk about it. But then there's a random scene later in the film where he's like, "When I'm forty and you're 30. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> it was like, why, why are you specifically saying it that way? That makes no sense. And it's like, well, oh, it's, you it's just... not like Seinfeld or Friends or whatever. You know, in every sitcom, when they make a pact for what they're going to do when they're. <laughs> a certain age so here's the thing i disagree with almost nothing of what you just said (laughs) um in any standard what's interesting is the criticism i heard of this movie is that it is walk the line or walk hard it is a like paint by numbers does every biopic cliche i don't think it does i kind of Mm -mm. think if it had done that, it would have been received pretty well by most people because Austin Butler is like really good at doing Elvis. Um, this movie is all over the place. It is a total mess. Uh, trying yeah. to use it to understand Elvis the person or any people in his life or Elvis the career and output is like a fool's errand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you aren't going to get any of it. But I had so much more fun with this movie than I did with Bohemian Rhapsody, than I did with... Um, the god I'm, I'm not even remembering there was another one uh that came out rocket around man. the same time rocket man yeah. yeah um i i had so much more fun with this movie even though it didn't make me want to listen to elvis at all because the, the movie is not about elvis the movie is just like about fame and celebrity in america and it could have been a fiction like it might as well have been a total fiction about a person who gets famous um yeah and I, I just found the style so fun and inventive. I like willingly turned off my brain, even though I think when you're trying to pull a comparison for Colonel Tom Parker and having the story narrated by him, I think 
Vice is the one that comes to mind in a very ungenerous way, <laughs> which is a framing device from someone that you don't know why they're talking and you kind of hate them. And the more you learn why they're talking, the more you have no idea why the movie made them the narrator. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also terrible prosthetics. <laughs> so all, yeah. all of that together. Um, so, okay, let's I talk about snowman. <laughs> let's talk about some of the problems uh, with the movie. Like Tom Hanks, is so bad in this movie. Yeah. It is unreal how bad he is. And I want to know if the accent was like something he insisted on doing or something <laughs> that like Boz told him he had to do. Cause here's the thing. If I am pretending I was born in West Virginia <laughs> and hiding a deep, dark secret about my past, I might not talk that way. I might work like just a little extra <laughs> to feign a Southern Kentucky-ish accent or something, like try to yeah. get by, have like a little around the edges, you know, like. And you could just, go you know, over the top, right? You could do like Foghorn Leghorn sort of like yeah. a really, really strong accent. Exactly. Um, that accent bonkers it makes no sense yeah. why he would do that because it undercuts any moment he attempts to be a real human at all is undercut by that voice but even if the voice had been normal the character is so terribly characterized like he is from the moment the film opens he's like yes i'm evil but i'm also good and you don't understand the whole story like he is such <laughs> a weird character to see anything serious from because he is like a mess of a human being. <laughs> yeah. Like he, his motivation is scattered. The film kind of frames it as like, people think I'm the bad guy and I'm the reason Elvis died, but listen and you'll understand. And then the movie proceeds to do nothing to counteract the idea that he's a bad guy and is the reason that Elvis died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very, very, very weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so a thing I mentioned before that I knew about Elvis you know, is that he became famous in the 50s for stealing the music of black artists and basically watering it down, playing it for a white audience, getting all the money and all the credit. And that is one reason he is, if not reviled today, like no one I know has ever said I'm a big fan of Elvis. You know, like he, he just would be like a punchline to talk about that way because it is so obvious that like the music like blues and gospel the things that he was drawing from were so much better than what he did with them yeah. um in this movie they do a little kind of like sleight of hand a little two-step where him profiting off of and performing their music is also an act of allyship and a brave civil rights move on his part that yeah, is yeah. like absolutely fucking ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> it is unreal and it kind of works and it should not because it is like deeply offensive. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, like there's a scene where he is playing in an outdoor concert. He is performing music that we have seen the night before on Beale Street. You know, BB uh, King and Big Mama Thornton and Little Richard. Like we've seen like the real artists, the actual people who should have been getting fame and yeah, money. Yeah. We've seen them performing music, and in that moment, they find a way to make him be in like no. I'm going to do this and I'm going to dance kind of like they dance as like a, wow, what a brave man. This is an amazing <laughs> fight for equality. It is, it is unbelievable that the movie tries to pull that shit. 
it becomes brave because the same government that's going after them is going after him too, right? Yeah, sure. And <laughs> and I'm sure he, he suffered just as much as they would have. Yeah. It, so that was already, you know, kind of bad enough. And the movie goes to that well a few times. And every time I was like, ooh, Buzz, you're really, <laughs> yeah. you are really trying to get away with something. Um, and and, and, and what's, then, what's, what's interesting is the scenes where he is consuming their music mm-hmm. are great. Like, because you see yeah. his infatuation with it. And I like those moments. But it is weird how they just go like, like there, there's literally one scene where like he's walking down and in, in, in up above, she's singing, you ain't nothing about how and dog. He's like, huh, I like that song. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? It, exactly. And like, I know the movie at least wants to make it seem like, you know, B.B. Uh, King and everyone were supporting him, too. And it was like everyone was sharing music and they liked that he was getting it spread. Who who knows? The movie is trying to do a lot with that. Um Later in the movie, uh, we watch newscasts of Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy at separate times being shot. And this being a turning point for Elvis, a deep, profound feeling. And he harnesses that need to say something, that energy to instead of wearing a sweater at a Christmas special, (laughs) wear leather pants at a Christmas special. (laughs) Like, I don't know what the hell this movie thinks it's doing, trying to turn him into some civil rights icon. It is uh, completely bizarre and um, indefensible. All I can say is the movie kind of pulls it off, and when you're watching him perform, you're like, you go, what a hero. Shake those (laughs) hips. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's weird as hell. Um, But like, I think by that point in time, I was just like, just keep them singing and I'm not going to (laughs) complain. Exactly. Yeah, we we are all Tom Hanks at that moment. We're just like, all that matters (laughs) is he gets on that stage. (laughs) Oh, man. Like, I would say I want this movie to have a little less conversation and a little more action because every time anybody sits down and talks, (laughs) it is uh, it is not good. Not but, good at all. But luckily, people don't talk that much. But see, Stephen, that's why by the end of the movie, they get smart and they have conversations while he's performing. Mm-hmm. So that way they can give you exposition dumps and not have to like sit, sit you down and have you like calm down there. Yeah. Like I will say, even though the text of the movie, I think, again, is kind of like indefensibly problematic. Um it does seem like Boz Lerman himself is trying to give credit to all the artists that were not able to get famous at the same time. Like yeah. he makes, you know, Big Mama Thornton singing Hound Dog or Little Richard doing Tutti Frutti. Um, he makes them seem really, really goddamn cool and talented, like more yeah. cool and talented than anything Elvis does. And like it tries to nod to that. But then it does the other 98 percent of the movie. And the, the mashing up of the music is the only way where I feel like it really works Cause it's kind of like here he is singing, but then we're going to show you, you know, the real music underneath the music. And so while you're enjoying it, you are also kind of getting a history lesson. I, don't yeah. know, I, I thought there was something really clever about how he did that. And they twist it again and take modern music that is inspired by those. And exactly. Then they have Doja Cat, like yeah. sampling Hound Dog. And that, that shit worked for me so hard. Like I have not listened to the soundtrack, but I, I kind of want to like next time I go for a run, I might, <laughs> I might listen to Doja Cat do Hound Dog while a gospel choir sings in the background. <laughs> yeah, so, so you know, like, a lot of biopics are about, like, the rise and fall of a, a person or a character. And I think that 
it's strange the trajectory this film takes for the character of Elvis. Um, and like I said, don't really know much of anything for real. So I'm just going by like the text of this film. It feels like the stuff. So the part we see him at in this film, that is sort of the, you would think would be the equivalent of the downfall of his career is actually like the rocketing up of like, like when he, the five years that he spends performing at the international hotel yeah. is technically exactly what he wants, right? Like, he has never felt more alive than when he's singing on stage in those moments. And the film is trying to portray that like his inability to travel and do Tokyo and London and stuff like that is like this huge travesty that is like keeping him locked in this hotel. But like, the, it seems like this is what he wants. Like, <laughs> like, and, and, and he, the, the, you know, the Elvis that we see, Yes, he wants a Cadillac in every color of every shirt that he owns, and he wants a house for his mama and all this kind of stuff. But he doesn't really strike me as a super extravagant man. Like, he, he does the fancy clothes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, like, I there's never a moment where there's conversations about how fast he's spending money uh, with regards to how fast they're bringing in money. And it seems like all the financial conversations are completely wrapped up in Tom Hanks' character. And it, it was a weird, it was weird watching the film and trying to understand, like, is, like, you know, you can, you can show him take a pill and show him act depressed when he's not on stage, but like, you're not communicating to me what the problem is. And, and it's not that I th think that he should have been totally fine and, and loved his time at the hotel. It's just like you're spending so much of, of this film that just like three hours long telling me that the only thing he cares about is being on stage. And that's the only time he feels alive. And his character is in a place where he gets to be on stage in front of crowds that love him every night is he do i don't know if he's doing six days a week seven days a week i don't, I don't know um but, but like i i didn't understand the journey like there was no scene of him pissing himself on stage <laughs> while his wife accepts an award right like I, i'm not seeing like yeah. it, it's just like suddenly all of a sudden he's addicted to drugs and hates his life and and then it's almost time for him to be dead right like it, it's there, there's something i was missing about the journey he goes on that was bypassing all the pumping up of who he is on stage and why he loves that. And I, I just didn't see that, that it wasn't a smooth arc. It was a sudden, Oh yeah, it's almost three hours now. Let's, uh, let's end this. Yeah. I mean, I think if you take the movie at its word, which means taking Colonel Parker at his almost incomprehensible words, <laughs> um, Mm -hmm. I think the story the movie is trying to tell is, look, Elvis had his rise and fall, not because of anything I did or anything anyone could have done, but because I helped him get what he wanted, which was fame and unlimited access to that high of the stage. And he did that so much that that is all that mattered. And then the rest of life didn't matter and so he died. <laughs> like, like, I think the movie wants to make it a tragedy and it would have happened no matter what, or his dreams would have been stifled and he never would have gotten famous because which makes all the time they spend talking about the world tour and Tokyo and whether that would have helped like not make much sense because the movie doesn't do a good job of that. But another thing I wonder, and 
I wasn't around, you know, in in the late 60s, early 70s. You know, uh, I wasn't there to see this era of Elvis's life. But I feel like probably a five-year residency in Vegas was not the pinnacle of his creative outlet and pinnacle of his being beloved by fans. I Like, I kind of assume that era did suck and he was kind of a hack even though the movie wants to be like look at him on stage he's trying out a new sound he's going bigger and bigger and bigger the movie wants me to believe that i i just have a lot of trouble believing it i feel like he must have been washed up by then and And, the movie is like baz is so in love with him he has to make every moment be amazing yeah yeah. And, and, and like i understand that like in my brain right like you're saying it to me i agree with what you're saying like that totally makes sense. But the text of the film seems to be telling me something slightly different, right, in those moments, or at least for the yeah. first year, right? Like, and then obviously, mm-hmm. he's if he's being forced to continue it on year after year, it, it I, I get why there would be a problem. But it, it's like, even, even when he says like, oh, like, there's, there's a scene where he's like, oh, man, I just, I, I, I never got to be a good actor. And it's just like, you're, <laughs> you're like, did you really want like, what about your character makes you think you really wanted to be in movies other than the fact that you did suddenly be in movies uh, the second you came back from war? And also, no time at war? You spend more time in a 14-year-old's bedroom <laughs> than you do at war. And it's right. like... I mean, I don't know what was going on, like, because he went to Germany, I guess, in what around the time of the korean war so i guess they were just like standing around the wall like i, I don't really even know what they were trying to make him do <laughs> but yeah. it definitely seemed like he was spending most of his time with priscilla yeah, yeah. so it, it just i i i i didn't get to watch a real transition of a character i just got to watch like performance after performance after performance after performance followed by like sad elvis on a piano and his <laughs> in his penthouse suite crying yeah. about his life and i was like hmm Maybe we could have shifted the sliders for what parts of the plot got carried during this film and made this more of a, a you know, an interesting ebb and flow of his life. Yeah. Though I think the movie is trying to do the Coco thing where like when the music plays, <laughs> even if he's like not, <laughs> exactly, even though he's not there anymore, unchained melody still can come out. Like, yeah, I'm not saying the movie justified any of it. I This is one of the weirder defenses of a movie I can have because like, so much of it is bad, <laughs> but when it's good, it is so good. I was kind of grinning like the whole time. And when I left the movie, I was like, I like that. I think I like that. It is bad, <laughs> but I liked it. I mean, what, what more can anyone ask for? <laughs> mm-hmm. And the songs, like I, I kind of like how Boslerman has no desire for historical accuracy at all like in the scene where he is wooing priscilla who let's for the purposes of this discussion imagine she was 22 um, at the time uh, when he's in germany he puts a record on like you know her uh, record player and it is playing a modern cover of can't help falling in love with you like one that i played at my wedding dinner (laughs) Um, and he is playing that a song that he has not recorded yet a cover that is decades later while he is falling in love with her and like those kind of things are just like they don't fit any real biopic narrative at all but i love when it is just mashing up present and past and future like I, i don't know that kind of like 
Baz Luhrmann is just like intoxicated with American culture, I think. And it is fun when he just plays with that. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I think that scene was maybe a little too on the nose for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all on the nose, baby. <laughs> um, but but in general, I think, yeah, it, it's entertaining as hell. Like, I knew I was going to be in for a, a long ride. So I was at the Alamo, did my breakfast sandwich. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> had, a little, had a little Irish coffee. Then about halfway through the movie, I was like, it's time for an old fashioned and some popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> and I just sat back and just, you know, just shoveled popcorn in my mouth and was like, yeah, this is fine. I'm having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I was a, a breakfast sandwich and Bloody Mary. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. I, I usually get Bloody Mary for the brunch screenings, but uh, I was definitely worried with the three-hour runtime that I was going to have to empty the Bloody Mary later. Mm-hmm. So I tried to go for less volume. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> uh, but yeah, any, any last thoughts about this film, Stephen? I am trying to remember anything about... Oh, a weird thing about, you know, Colonel Parker being the narrator of it is normally... The narrator would be talking about how I discovered the raw talent of this kid, right? Like, I saw him and I knew he had something, and so I took a chance. Colonel Parker here is like a carny who hears about this hot new act that has recorded albums that everyone is listening to. Yeah, yeah. And that is how he discovers Elvis. Like, there is another weird sleight of hand the movie does to try to make it seem like he is the one who catapulted Elvis to fame when I think he, like, he did a growth round of funding in Elvis. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he, like Elvis was already growing and he's like, okay, I'm going to double down and take you on a national tour. Um, but I don't think he created Elvis. And it's kind of weird that the movie wants to make it seem like he did. He, he popularized Elvis. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he was just a carnival sideshow act. <laughs> I, I think I, one, one of my favorite things about the movie, which is like just a small, small moment is uh, when... <laughs> When the kid from Power of the Dog yeah, starts Tony dressing Finn like McKee. him and his hair back, I was like, that's pretty great. I love it. Uh, one thing I didn't like at all that happened multiple times in the movie is when Tom Hanks is watching and narrating women be sexually attracted to Elvis and saying, like, they are feeling things inside of them. <laughs> like, don't. You don't have to say it. We get it. <laughs> was, yeah, that's when he just turns into the Merrill Vengeance. <laughs> yeah, he, he just turns into Mickey Mouse from South Park. <laughs> it was it was a little it was a little much. I mean, yeah. There, so so one of the things too about that I couldn't. I was like having internal dialogue with myself about my connection to artists and musicians and stuff like that, and I, and I feel like I I like going to shows. But I like going to shows to see a performance. And I don't think... Uh, I mean, part of the thing is I'm not usually seeing solo performers. I'm seeing a band. And a band is a group of people. But, like, all of my favorite bands, with the exception of maybe, like, four... Nah, I'm going to say, like, three or two, maybe even. I probably couldn't pick out anybody from the band in the lineup. <laughs> right? It's just I don't, I don't have that that musician worship sort of thing in in my like i have this complete disconnect from the person making the thing um and the thing that i consume like there, there's no i don't like 
don't get me wrong, if I knew it was them and I bumped into them in a thing, I'd be like, oh, I like your shit, <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, like I, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have anything to talk with them about other than anything more than I would talk to somebody else standing in line before the movie. Yeah, anyways, right? right. Like not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I just, I'm going to stare at my shoes and, <laughs> and listen to a podcast. Um, but so it's like, I, I, when I'm watching those scenes and don't, don't get me wrong. I get it. I know people go crazy. I know people cry when their favorite artist comes on. But like, I, I just, to me, like whatever, no, no matter who the person is, I just don't, I've never felt that way about a person standing in front of me like that at a performance ever before. So it just feels so fake and silly and the level to which especially that first concert that the first concert when it's like all of these women in the front row are pregnant (laughs) (laughs) immediately too like because that is the thing is the first concert they are won over in the moment yeah which is like really interesting for the power of celebrity is like we don't like you and then you like shimmy your hips and strum the guitar three (laughs) times and now we're screaming for you like it was it was funny at first right because there's the first girl who just goes "Ah!" like like, where did that come from i don't know like that was all all the like boyfriends and husbands too are like looking around feeling jealous i I enjoyed that a lot (laughs) like it, it was funny but then the level to which like like it was it, it was gratuitous <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was like like it's funny but it's also it's so excessive that it it's like it takes me out of the film at how ridiculous this is supposed to be and and like i'm just watching it going like i don't get it <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know i felt it i, I didn't scream <laughs> but i felt it but yeah it's it just it's just a very funny thing that was really hard for me to like connect with on i mean like i you know like i'll walk away from a show and be like well that was fucking that was fucking cool (laughs) Mm -hmm. but but i've never i've never been like oh my god (laughs) i can't believe i'm here in this moment um but i don't know but we do know you know not just intellectually but like there's so much footage of beatlemania and all these things so like it was definitely a thing i don't understand it either um but I felt the tingle watching watching the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess when I watch like the Beatlemania type stuff, the context I'm watching it in is that this group of people is a major sensation, and they are here now in the states mm-hmm. or wherever they're touring, and like the people are losing their shit that they are finally getting to see these people. Like I don't know. There's something like for. I, for some reason, I accept it when it's the Beatles, but also it's because right. I've never watched a movie where the Beatles fans did this. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, so, so like compare, compare his first performance to like Michael J. Fox do a driving <laughs> good in <laughs> like, like, right in that people are going, Oh my God. They're going like, this is weird. Oh, I kind of dig this. Okay. Now I'm dancing. This is fun. Dancing, yeah. yeah. We're, we're loving it. And then everybody goes like, well, this is weird again. Right. But in this, it's yeah. just like, Oh my God, I have never moved like this in my life. What am I going to do? Oh, I, I think the, the key ingredient that makes this different from Beatlemania, cause you're right. Beatlemania is the power of celebrity. They are, it is a One Direction concert. It is like, I'm screaming. I didn't even hear the music. I just can't believe I'm around these people, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Elvis, I think, needs to be understood in a context of people being so insanely repressed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they can't have fun. They can't feel lust. They can't do anything. That's and right. this one person giving just a hint of, like, you know, sexual liberation or rhythm or anything, it just makes them all act like if you're a let's just say a nine-year-old evangelical with a jc penny catalog <laughs> like you, <laughs> tiny things that aren't anything you're like holy shit <laughs> uh, all right steven now i get it <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean because it's very silly right because if we were to see and Boz heightens it i'm sure if we were to see documentary footage of an elvis performance in the 50s we would be like this is like grandpa music, right? Like this is like <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing remotely shocking or edgy or sensual about it, right? This is just a guy shaking his hips. But I think at the time, if you are imagining a bunch of like repressed Southern girls slash women who like have not been allowed to acknowledge anything remotely sensual before, then maybe this like absurd screamy reaction does happen the first time you see it i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess i guess it's possible steven <laughs> now would you be upset if let's say you were married and your wife was a singer with a residency in vegas and she <laughs> kissed every man on the ladies <laughs> person <laughs> I would definitely be like, hmm. It's just not hygienic. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to. But yeah, first of all, why are they liking it? Because mm -hmm. the performer is going to be sweaty as hell. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, I definitely was like, it was, it was one thing when like, if he did it in the moment for the one person, it would be like, all right, he got caught up in it. Like whatever, like, meh. You know, we'll, we'll see. But mm -hmm. like the fact that it's like, oh, this is what I'm doing now. It's, it's just he's just going yeah. down the row like a president shaking the hands of everybody <laughs> and kissing babies, except for he's kissing all the moms. <laughs> yeah, and the, and this is just an arbitrary night. So he does this every night. Yeah, like, I wonder what his. I mean, I think body count is. <laughs> I think it happened organically the first night, and then he's like, oh, this is just the thing I do now. <laughs> Yeah, just like kiss all the people. He he sucks a little bit of life force out of them so that he mm. can keep going. Yeah, Dementor style. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Uh, only last bit of trivia is that Riley Keough is Elvis's granddaughter. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. Um, I, I don't know what she thinks about the movie. Yeah, I found that out later. <laughs> mm. But uh. Yeah, I guess that's uh, that's all we got. So it's probably time, Stephen, to get to verdicts for this. Yep. If you were going to say must-see, recommend with the caveat, wait for until past the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I am putting my blue suede-chewed foot down and giving this a recommend with a caveat. <laughs> caveat being, this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Recommendation, it is so much fun, stylistically... Musically, the visuals, Austin Butler is so good in the role. The movie is just a whole vibe. And if you just get on the Baz Luhrmann wavelength, I think you will have a very good time. If you try to understand this as a narrative, you will be frustrated. If you try to see it as a view of history, you will likely be very confused and walk away with some views that are not accurate at all <laughs> about <laughs> the history of rock and roll. Um, 
But if you take this as just a person riffing on the theme of American culture, happening to be inspired by a real guy, I think it's a fun movie. And I, for the fact that this is like almost three hours long, I was surprised at how fast it felt to me and how enjoyable it was all the way through. So I think Elvis is a really messy, fucked up good time. (laughs) Um, I'm going to knock it down to a wait for rental. Um, If it were shorter... I could maybe recommend it. Like I, I think, hmm. I think there's enough entertaining enjoyableness to it that, like, you know, you'll walk away from it like feeling like us, like that was fucking weird. But yeah, it was, it was kind of fun. Um, but just that that runtime <laughs> does not justify itself. Maybe some, maybe once the movie's out for rental, um, somebody will do uh, only the music cut, which just like forgoes any story at all and just has every single scene back to back. Um, yeah. Then you can get that. I think I think that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> I respect it. All right, Stephen. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this review of Boz Lerman's Elvis. Um, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at sporethewarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash sporethewarning, facebook.com slash warning, or instagram.com slash warning. If you want to get all this directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from artlist.io. So hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, And uh, yeah, that's it for this week. We'll be back soon with another review. So uh, I I don't know. I don't don't have a, (laughs) I don't have an Elvis lyric just queued up. So this podcast has left the building. (laughs) 